Thank you, and today it's the red note in the fantasy that weaves the fabric of Santa's familiar uniform. But did you know that Santa always wore black? Until Thomas Nast, the famous cartoonist who created the Democratic donkey and the Republican elephant, created a new Santa Claus? He patterned his Santa along the lines of Washington Irving's gnome-like little men who put old Rip Van Winkle to sleep. Remember them? Just like miniature Santas. But he was left for another man to make the Washington Irving Thomas Nast version of a new and jollier Santa stick and to implant in children's minds forever an image of a scarlet-clad, right-jolly old elf. But before we hear his story, just to make sure the jolly old elf does right by the folks at your house, here is a suggestion from a friend of ours. another man to make the Washington Irving Thomas Nast version of a new and jollier Santa stick, and to implant in children's minds forever an image of a scarlet-clad, right jolly old elf. On a Christmas Eve over a hundred years ago, a charming young visitor stopped to visit with friends of her father. She found a most ordinary Christmas scene, Dr. Moore and his wife and their youngsters, a lighted tree, a brightly burning fire, not the least hint of a drama, and yet her visit brought young Miss Butler a discovery that was to add magic to every Christmas since that time. She noticed as the evening wore on that the children, though they sat primly and silently by, seemed restive, but she never for a moment dreamed that they had their fingers furtively crossed and that each little heart was fervently hoping that she would leave. Not at least till Mrs. Moore said gently, children, it's way past bedtime, and the expectant little faces lost their look of eager waiting, one lip curled in a pout, and the oldest child bravely defied the edict of the day that children should be seen and not heard. Aren't we going to have the poem? We always have the poem on Christmas Eve. 
Dr. Moore seemed embarrassed. Not tonight, children. A children's poem would only bore Miss Butler. And I have other things I wish to talk to her about. Miss Butler, in dismay, imagined the children would enjoy seeing her drawn and quartered. Or at least made to vanish in a puff of smoke. Oh, please, she cried. Don't change your Christmas Eve customs for me. You'll make me feel I've spoiled things somehow. And besides, I'd like to hear the poem, too. Which Christmas poem is it? Dr. Moore hemmed and fumbled with his pipe. And Mrs. Moore laughed at his obvious unease. You might say it's our Christmas poem, Miss Butler. You see, my husband wrote it himself just to entertain the youngsters. Then I must hear it, insisted Miss Butler, and basked in the approval of the youngster's hopeful eyes. Miss Moore reached into the desk of a drawer and pulled out a much-folded and sadly worn piece of paper. Dr. Moore grinned in agreeable surrender, and he began to read. "'Twas the night before Christmas." And all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. And quiet as mice, the children crept from their prim chairs to cuddle and cluster around his knees. Miss Butler found herself leaning forward, too, to catch each word, as the poem described, Little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had slung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. It seemed that not a breath disturbed the air of that quiet room as Dr. Moore's voice brought the poem to its familiar close. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. It was a long moment before the spell was broken, and then little echoes the children said a dutiful good night, and disappeared to a sleep while sugar plums danced in their heads. But Miss Butler wasn't so easily satisfied. That's beautiful, she exclaimed. But how selfish of you to keep it to yourself. You should have it published so that all children could enjoy it. Dr. Moore was reluctant. He didn't really think the poem was dignified to match his position as a minister. He didn't want to attract any adverse criticism. Miss Butler laughed. Then I'll see to it myself that it is published anonymously, if you'll trust me. And she did. And it wasn't until years later that the world discovered that the author of The Visit of St. Nicholas was a kindly minister who, in writing a poem for his own children, had given the children everywhere throughout the world a brighter and a merrier Christmas. Watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, 
and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good. Be good for goodness sake. Remember, better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. quickly the happy days of Yuletide speed by. But don't let them all slip through your calendar before you wind up your Christmas planning at this friend of ours. and worn and ragged. Her blue eyes are faded too. And the bow is missing from her hair. And she lost her only shoe. She mightn't be as lovely or perfect as the rest. And yet in one small precious heart, she's loved the very best. Christmas brought a new doll as grand as she can be, all shining fair and glowing bright beneath the Christmas tree. 
she's hardly even noticed and never touched at all. Because those faithful little arms still hold that dear old doll. What difference if she's broken from years of endless play? She's still the dearest friend on earth, and that she'll always stay. A new doll is a treasure to look on with a smile. But the old doll brings the greatest joy and still is most worthwhile. How could she trade her old doll from Christmases gone by? Though others think she's battered, she's fair in someone's eye. She's loved and oh so wanted, apart from all the rest. Yes, though she's just an old, old doll, she still is loved the best. a joy to Christmas fantasy, I'm going to tell you about Clancy the Christmas Clown, a funny little man who always made everyone laugh at the circus because he dressed in a green suit, trimmed with tinsel, and looked exactly like a Christmas tree. Clancy was always a great favorite at the Christmas circus because he had so many tricks. He could make his nose shine like a Christmas light. He could walk upside down. He could even swing from a rope like a monkey in a tree. The trouble was, Clancy had been with a circus for so long that everyone knew his tricks. At first, they kept on laughing out of politeness, and then they stopped laughing altogether. And although Clancy did every clever trick he knew, people just yawned and some even went to sleep. That afternoon when the show was over, the ringmaster came over to Clancy and shook his head. Well, Clancy, he frowned, you didn't make anyone laugh today. I guess you're not funny anymore. I think I'll have to fire you. Clancy's eyes opened very wide. But Mr. Ringmaster, you can't do that. It'll soon be Christmas. And I'm always in the special performance. But the ringmaster only shook his head again. I don't know, Clancy. Maybe I'll give you another chance, but you'll have to learn some new tricks. You have to make people laugh, or I'll just have to let you go. Just as I'm going to send Greybeard the elephant away, because he is too old. Well, the next day, Clancy went into the circus ring and did every trick he knew. When the band began to play, he hopped, skipped, and jumped all over the sawdust. He made funny faces and tumbled and wiggled his ears, but the people just yawned and went back to sleep. Some even stamped their feet and asked for their money back. Poor Clancy. He was so ashamed that he ran out of the ring and hid where the animals lived. And there, where he sat behind one of the animal cages, Clancy the Christmas Clown found Greybeard the elephant, and told him about his troubles. Greybeard was unhappy, too, for the ringmaster had also told him that he was too old to work. What are we going to do? Clancy cried. It'll soon be Christmas, and I want to be in the circus. 
Graybeard lifted his trunk and roared. So do I. I'm not old. I can't help it if my feet are sore. (laughs) Clancy wanted to help Graybeard, so he lifted up the elephant's feet one by one, and then suddenly he found a big iron nail sticking out of Graybeard's foot. Look, he cried. This is why you were limping. And he pulled the nail right out, and immediately Graybeard's feet stopped hurting. Of course, Graybeard was very happy, and he thanked Clancy. Not that that helped Clancy very much, for he still didn't know how to make people laugh. That night, Graybeard and Clancy went into the circus ring and began to perform. Graybeard did very well because his feet didn't hurt anymore. But poor Clancy just couldn't make anyone laugh. Slowly, he stopped tumbling, and two big tears rolled down his painted cheeks. Graybeard also stopped and walked over to where Clancy stood. Then he wiped away Clancy's tears with his trunk. Poor Clancy was so surprised that his red wig fell right over his eyes. He knew that Graybeard was trying to thank him for removing the nail from his foot. But what surprised him most of all was that everyone began to laugh and clap. Even Clancy smiled because he knew he had found a new trick. So next, he tried swinging from Greybeard's tail. And again, everyone roared with laughter. For the next half hour, Clancy and Greybeard stole the show with their tricks. They romped and they rolled and they danced and everyone laughed and laughed and laughed. That evening when the circus was over... And all the people had gone home. The ringmaster called Clancy into his tent and shook his hand and patted him on the back. You were wonderful, he exclaimed. How did you learn all those new tricks? Oh, my, how you made the children laugh. Clancy was very pleased about this, but just the same, he said, It was Graybeard's idea. He helped me because I took a nail out of his foot. The ringmaster nodded. Yes, you were both very funny. And I want you to do your act every night. You mean that Greybeard will not be sent away because he's too old? Send him away? Why, I wouldn't exchange him for anything in the world, the ringmaster said. As for you, well, in the future I shall have you introduced as Clancy, King of the Clowns. So you see, our story has a very happy ending. And all because Clancy did Greybeard a good turn. And because Greybeard paid him back. God bless you, gentlemen, God bless you. Merry Christmas to your neighbors and may God bless you. Christmas is a coming and the geese are getting fat. Please to put a penny in the poor man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, then a halfpenny will do. If you haven't got a halfpenny, then God bless you. God bless you, gentlemen, God bless you. I didn't sit around 
to stand around will do. If you'd rather I didn't stand around, may God bless you. God bless you, gentlemen. God bless you. If you'd rather I didn't stand around, may God bless you. If you haven't got a thing for me, may God bless you. Today, as I was telling you the legend of Clancy the Clown, I recalled an incident that centers around the old Christmases of days gone by. But first, I'd like to have this word from a friend of ours. And this is what I was talking about, about the old Christmases. There is a lost path winding through the years. That no man finds again A path that wanders back through sighs and tears Through pain and heartache And unending fears that storm the hearts of men Where in some distant long ago Faint bugles from a vanished Christmas blow And how faint they seem How faint and far away From outposts we once knew Brave bugles calling to an ancient faith before the Christmas reindeer was a wraith. When dreams could still come true, faint tin horn trumpets of a forgotten time, when life knew less of prose and more of rhyme, there is a lost path winding back through dreams in some far land of truth, back where the white and scarlet berry gleams, and where the hearth fire sheds its distant beams above the face of youth. A path that none may find who does not know. The reindeer hoof prints in the Christmas snow.
scarlet is for Christmas, and rightly so. Since Christmas is a red-letter day on any calendar, but it's not the same red-letter day the world around. Due to various mistakes in computing the calendars, calendar reforms moved the date of December 25th to compensate. People got a bit upset about this. If December 25th occurred 12 days earlier, wouldn't that mean that regardless of the calendar date, the birth date of the child born in Bethlehem would still come on the same day, but just be dated January 6th? They didn't admit that during centuries of error that birthday had gradually shifted to later dates, and so the argument has cropped up in many lands, from England to Greece. The result is that Christmas, the red-letter day of the Christian year, is celebrated December 25th. January 6th in the Greek Orthodox Church, and even on January 18th by the Armenians. More facts in our Christmas fantasy. Certainly the Christmas season looks bright to those who hear this news from a friend of ours. (laughs) 